Welcome to the Coping 19 Limited Series Podcast, a positive look at how entrepreneurs are coping with this COVID-19 pandemic, what they're learning from this situation, and how they're changing their business practices to accommodate this new world. And now here's your host, Jennifer Lee. The roaring of the crowd, the continuous chants of people yelling out the name of the person they are all here to see. Oh, the buzz in the stadium is electric. It's on fire. People can't wait for one of the best nights of their lives. They've been waiting weeks to see this person enter onto the stage and entertain them. Do you remember your first concert? Everyone has their own memory of their very first concert. It's a special moment, a rite of passage, one that none of us will ever forget. My very first concert was 12 years old and it was Savage Garden. My mom took me. It was the time of my life. I still remember it many, many years later. Not gonna tell you how old I am, but many years later, I still remember standing in that stadium, GM Place at the time in Vancouver, now Rogers Arena. And I was so excited. I couldn't sleep for days until the concert. And now I was finally there waiting for Darren Hayes to pop on the stage and perform all the hits from Savage Garden. There is nothing like it. And unfortunately, it's not going to be a good year for the concert industry. I was reading an article that they are projected to lose over $9 billion in revenue because of the coronavirus. Because, as a lot of us know, we don't know when concerts are going to be back in action. When I look at the U.S. news, they don't think until 2021. Here in B.C., not the rest of Canada, but here in B.C., they have already said the government has that concerts are in phase four. And phase four does not have any dates yet. Phase one, two, and three have dates for reopening, but there is no dates for phase four. So concerts are going to be something to wait for, which gets me wondering. Are concerts a thing of the past? Will they ever return to the way that we once knew them? People are just going to have to put on their creative thinking hats and come up with some really cool ideas. I just saw some video snippets of the recent Keith Urban concert from May 14th. What he did was do a drive-in concert instead of a drive-in movie. He performed on stage. It's just the only difference was the fans weren't out in a crowd. They were all in their individual cars, which I think was really neat. And he did that in the state of Tennessee. And he was actually one of the very first major recording artists to do that idea. So I think we're going to see a lot more of them possibly maybe take that idea to the next level. My only issue with it is there are about 125 cars. So I looked at the rows and some cars were like in the nosebleed section. So they would have had to watch it on a gigantic screen anyway. So it kind of defeats the purpose because why would you want to be trapped in your car if you could watch the concert from the comforts of your own home? But uh, to each their own, it's something different. And at least people are starting to be innovative. And let's face it, we need music. Music heals. We're going to need concerts as entertainment. Life would be pretty dull if we had no entertainment, especially right now when a lot of us are still in our homes day in and day out. So that's why I wanted to talk to my next guest. He has been in the music industry for a very long time. He's a Juno Award nominee as well. He has also attended popular shows like the Junos as well as the Grammys. 
And I wanted to know his thoughts on award shows. Do we think they're gonna even happen the way that they usually do? Are they gonna just be streamed online? So let me tell you about his experience because actually he did just host a music award show and we'll find out a little bit more about that and he did it all online. So I have so many questions to ask this next guest about the future of performing, future of, of course, award shows, things that we love. But not only that, he is also an entrepreneur and he owns Studio Cloud 30, which is a premier talent development agency with three locations, one in Tawasin, Vancouver, and now Burnaby. She's the kind of lady you live life for. Give your soul, worship on a pedestal. So intoxicating, intelligent, patient, and beautiful. She's heaven sent. I found an angel that has knocked me off my feet like an old school vinyl beat. Yeah, love is so amazing when you know that it's for sure. I want nothing more It's far beyond me, it's high above I am so infatuated with this vintage love And if she's and that is the beautiful voice of Warren Dean Flanders. I'm so excited to interview you once again, Warren. Years ago when I started my radio career, I was very, very green. And I think you were one of my first interviews on 101.5 The Bear. And you were on a little show called Cover Meet Canada. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. But I do remember that. And thank you for that interview. That was great. I know it feels like forever ago. Uh, have you been able to watch uh, American Idol or The Voice lately? Because they have had to pivot because, of course, the coronavirus. Contestants are having to perform from home. So I want to know your thoughts on that because you were on a reality talent competition and obviously it was very different. You got to do it the old school way and perform in a studio with a live audience and they can't do that right now. You know what? I haven't. And to be honest, ever since I was on one of those shows, I've never actually ever watched any of them again. And I don't know why. It's not like I don't like them, but I just, I don't watch a lot of TV in general. And I have a son who's young. So, you know, I'm watching a lot of kids shows actually with him, but I haven't. Like, how are they doing it? I applaud them for going on and they'd already done the talent search portion. So they were already into the live performances. So it was pretty easy for them to get going with that. But what they needed to do was send their contestants uh, little packages with lights and sound equipment. And the voice kind of took it one step further and made a little story about each contestant and how they set up their at home studio for the live performances. The only thing that I think would be missing, though, if they were to do it again next year, of course, they would have to try to find the talent. So for the voice, I think it'd be really hard because they wouldn't really be able to do chair turns. And if they did chair turns on Zoom, I just don't know if it would would be as exciting. I'm definitely going to check it out now that you said that, because that is really interesting. I think visually, that's probably what we're going to miss the most. You know, the lights, like there's so much more than just the sound. It's like the lights and the, you know, just the whole experience. Everything now that we're watching on television just looks like a, a Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, the novelty will, will wear out. 
I hope so, but I do love seeing how people live because you have this idea of the rock star just having the most gorgeous mansion. And, and that's not the case when you see some of the celebrities on TV right now when they're broadcasting from their homes. They actually have a very modest setup, especially if they're just a few years into their career. But I thought it was pretty interesting that when the World Health Organization put on their Stay Together at Home concert, uh, Charlie Puth, who's a very famous celebrity, he actually performed with his bed unmade behind him and a lot of fans actually tweeted out and said Charlie like you could have made your bed and I have to agree because if I was on national television showing the world my bedroom and my talents my mother would be very very upset if I did not make my bed for national TV (laughs) he's keeping it real he's keeping it real (laughs) I guess but he should have made his bed not to sound like his mom but for national television that is a must anyways every performance artist has a Hollywood story. That's why we see all those e-true Hollywood stories. And they always show the person singing in their bedroom, work hard as a young person, and you always hear them like playing guitar on the street or singing in the street and nothing's gonna stop them. So what is your story for Warren? What is your like stardom story? What made you want to become a performer? You know, it's interesting because when I was growing up, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And that was kind of like my big life goal. And then when I was about 15, I had really severe asthma. And my my family doctor said to my mom that I should take up a wind instrument or do some voice lessons to help increase my lung capacity. So I ended up doing voice lessons and I didn't really know what to expect. And I wasn't actually really keen on doing that at the time, but it ended up being something that I really fell in love with and really worked towards. And music basically became the one thing that I couldn't see myself living without. They say music is medicine. And I, I really do believe that. I think it saved me in a lot of ways, you know, I kind of uprooted my parents moved from Edmonton to Vancouver, kind of like at the cusp of high school for me. So it was like difficult time to like lose your friends and, you know, big move and just new city. And so like to just have music as something to keep me on the right path was was really good. So, you know, I started doing session gigs and background singing gigs. And then eventually I started recording my own material and everything just kind of snowballed. And I really didn't have like a clear career kind of path or trajectory. I kind of just wanted to see where it went. And it was always about how I was benefiting from it personally rather than career-wise. And to this point, I've just been still doing the same thing with my music and just trying to inject it into every kind of part of my life. I think everybody has the thought that at first they're going to be a lawyer. I know I definitely have. And other people I know have said they always wanted to go to law school. So it seems to be a common thing, but I'm glad you chose a music career. You're not only an amazing performing artist, you are also an entrepreneur and you own Studio Cloud 30, which is a premier talent development studio. What is the difference between your studio and like say singing lessons or going to an establishment for guitar lessons or other schools to learn the art of music? Absolutely. You know, Studio Cloud 30 is a full service talent development company that really focuses on providing bespoke more just customized training. You know, so many people focus on 
specific methods and techniques that they teach and they stick to a very strict curriculum. But I found that like everyone's different. And so what we try to do is we try to make everything kind of customized to the individual and kind of help them because everyone kind of has different needs and different wants and goals. And yeah, so essentially Studio Cloud 30 actually started in my parents' basement years ago. And I was just kind of teaching out of there. It was really more necessity because music was the only thing I really knew how to do. So I knew I didn't want to work a regular nine to five job. And in a lot of ways, this is what kind of fell upon my lap. And it just started to grow from there. And eventually it became business and we hired our staff and we got locations. And now, you know, 10 years later, we have relocations, Vancouver, Tawasson and Burnaby. And we have an incredible staff. And it was all kind of built on that foundation of just keeping music relevant and fun and really kind of catering to what the individual needs versus what, you know, people think they should be doing or should be teaching. And the fact that your music studio is just not, and I'm not putting anyone down, but not just about singing lessons, not just about teaching guitar. It's about developing artists and showing uh, kids that there are other paths in music to take besides being on stage, that they could be songwriters, that they could be managers. I just love the fact that you have so many different facets to your business. Okay, when you're growing a business from scratch, there's always a lot of struggles. And what were some of the challenges that you encountered when you started Studio Cloud 30 at the beginning? And what are some lessons from growing your business and those challenges that you can actually apply to help yourself navigate your business now through COVID-19? We've been through some major hiccups. You know, there's been many different things that we have experienced in in our 10 years, you know, things that we've had to really kind of reevaluate our business model and what we were doing. You know, nothing to the extreme of COVID-19, but those experiences have definitely prepared us for what is happening now with the pandemic. Really what it all boils down to, I think, as an entrepreneur, is not putting all your eggs in one basket. You need to be flexible. You need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to change your services, your business model, and also be able to find alternative forms of of revenue, like different revenue streams is key, because that way you can kind of focus in another area during, for example, this pandemic than you would normally. I think that has been kind of key for us is just kind of seeing where we can still be profitable and what can do. And then also just being able to assess what community needs and what, you know, the general public needs and providing them the services that would be beneficial to them during this time. You talked about pivoting your business and keeping it current and afloat. So what are some of the ways that you have been able to pivot your business during COVID-19 to, of course, keep the doors open, the staff working and your customers satisfied? We have really prided ourselves on having face-to-face interactive lessons that really focus on individual coaching that was very personalized and very kind of focused on the individual. But we had to move everything online back in March and we were actually one of the first businesses to do it. I just had an inkling that I wanted to do it before everything got crazy. I'm glad we did. We were kind of one of the first to close our doors and and just be safe. We really wanted to put the safety of our clients and our staff first. And to say that that was easy is not true. It was was a very difficult process. But once we kind of ripped off the Band-Aid, we were able 
able to start getting everything stable. I think that was like the key was to just get everyone on board and stable. When we had the online lessons, primarily voice was the main, because we do offer voice, piano, guitar, acting, drums, songwriting, you name it. But voice was definitely the key service that we could offer online that we knew we should focus on because that is probably one of the easier things to teach online. And what's interesting is during this pandemic, people are stressed. They're worrying about a lot of different things, about family, about financial stuff, about their job, about stability, about getting sick and health and safety of their loved ones and having to social distance or quarantine or self-isolate. There's a lot of stress and we found that music really kind of helped provide a much needed outlet for people. And I think that's kind of the angle we're taking now is just kind of using music to help people during this time. And like a lot of our clients are also songwriting online and that has been great too. That's an amazing outlet. If you haven't tried it, I highly recommend you try it. It's just a songwrite and just kind of put your thoughts and feelings on paper and make it something tangible and something that'll live forever. And it's just a great form of release. So those are the kind of two things that we've been really focusing on. And moving forward, I think we're going to start doing things that are a little bit more group focused. We were never really into group activities other than workshops and stuff before. But I think we're going to try doing some different camps and some different things where we can kind of bring the community together virtually and see where that takes us as well. I can appreciate the fact that people are doing online performances, but like you said, I know it's not the same thing, especially for the performer and the person watching either. Like sometimes when I'm watching uh, some of the TV shows that have adapted themselves, like the talk shows or even the news organizations have adapted their shows, the at-home model or Saturday Night Live, which I appreciate them continuing to go to work to put a smile on our face and make us laugh. That's not my issue with it because we need things to watch. It just sometimes when I watch those shows, it can just be really boring. And I don't know if that's just me. <laughs> I think you commented earlier, everything looks like a Zoom meeting. And that's what I kind of feel about Saturday Night Live. It's like, I feel like a lot of the performances that they did are things that I did in my bedroom back in the day, but I didn't have a video recorder. And so it's great to an extent because again, I'm happy that they're doing it and creating content. But some of it, I'm just like, oh, it's hard to watch because it's like, I could do that right now. I could create that right now. Absolutely. I definitely think we're going to see a huge surge of online concerts and live streams and different things. I don't know about you, but it definitely has its pros and cons. I love seeing the celebrities in their homes and just kind of the raw performance aspect of it is, you know, it definitely separates, you know, the talented from the even more talented. But yeah, there's something to be said about trying to monetize that. And I think that is the issue that everyone's trying to catch up with right now is like, how do you monetize like a, a live stream? And it's also saturated. Like when you log on, to your like let's say Instagram right now there's like so many people streaming all at the same time and how do you make it an experience where because when you go to a show it's so much more than just the song because you could listen to the song anywhere it's getting to see the artist it's the being in an arena with thousands of people or being in a club or a church or whatever the venue may be amongst other people and just experience whether it's, it's intimate or with a huge audience and just not being able to have like live instruments all together in in one space and you know just the magic of of being on stage i think that's what people are missing right now because a live stream is definitely not the same as being on stage and performing on stage i think as we adapt i think that we will definitely be able to adapt and have find different ways to deal with this but pretty sure and i i can only speak for myself but i i can't wait for the day that we're just back in a situation where we can have you know like live 
live shows and live concerts and live sporting events where we can all get together because the camaraderie and the energy that you get in that type of setting, there's nothing like it. And the other thing then I'm missing and I'm going to miss because I'm a big fan of award shows. I really wanted to see the Tony Awards, but that's not going to happen this year. And I know they were talking about maybe even postponing the Oscars, even though they're not till 2021. But these are things people are starting to think about. So I know that you have been part of the Junos. You've attended the Grammys. What do you think the future of award shows are? Are they still going to be there? Are they going to be virtual? Do we even need them? You know, it's interesting you say that because I was actually one of the hosts of the Gospel Music Awards this year, uh, the GMA Coven Awards. And I didn't know if they were going to cancel the awards, but, you know, they actually were great and they, they pivoted and we did the whole broadcast and award ceremony via live stream. And all the winners were able to kind of log on and do their acceptance speeches virtually, which was really cool. But man, was it ever surreal like, to be in like an auditorium and and that should be filled with people. And it was completely empty and everyone was just kind of watching online in real time. That was very bizarre and surreal. I can see things moving towards that style of no audience form of award shows and concerts and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, I hope that's not forever because, you know, it, there is something, that camaraderie, that excitement, that, you know, just that buzz in the air and that feeling that's definitely missing. For now, I think there are going to be ways that we can try to adapt and make the best out of a situation that we really can't control at this time. It's cool that you still went and did it. And I think that's great that they've adapted to a virtual model. But like we said before, with the whole performing thing, sometimes it can be a little bit boring. And I I think it would be a little bit disappointing to see in an award show and see Beyonce in her evening gown in her living room, even though I think her living room would probably be friggin' fantastic. I just don't know if it's the same. So, you know, I think it's a good model for now for award shows, but maybe we can think creatively down the road about how do you create an award show? I don't know. This could be, this is a whole new world. Maybe we'll do drive-in award shows. I hope not. But then from the viewer perspective, if say it was the Oscars, we would see maybe a lot of Rolls Royces, a lot of Lamborghinis, maybe a lot of fancy cars that could make it. So a car brand would sponsor them. Maybe I'm coming up with a new business idea here. I don't know. But again, I I just don't think it will work because we won't get to see any of those evening gowns in the cars. So maybe that's not a great idea because that's why I watch the Oscars is the red carpet. I don't watch for the awards. Anyways, with the way COVID-19 has changed many industries, some of course are going to have harder times to restart than others. And some might not be around for a while until we figure this COVID-19 virus out. Of course, hospitality is one industry that we're not sure how that's all going to look at. Performing arts, which we've been touching upon this whole time is going to look different. We're not sure where the future of theater or music or anything to do with a live audience really is going to look like. So for someone that really wants to be a performer and maybe they're graduating school right now, what advice would you give to somebody that kind of wants to enter this field during this uncertain time? You know what, if you're passionate about it, like I've learned that like you can be good at things and absolutely hate them and chase the dollar signs. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people feel pressure from whether it's their parents or their community or family or friends or whatever it may be to be something that is socially accepted or considered to be, you know, successful. But in my opinion, I've always just followed my heart and my passion. And if you can find ways to make your passion pay your bills, 
then that's kind of the dream right there. And, you know, even with Studio Cloud 30 and it's all music related to me. And even though, you know, I never saw myself to be like a businessman or, or an entrepreneur, I ended up really enjoying that side of it because it was music related. And I think that for people who are absolutely convinced that that's what they want to do, I think that that's where you need to start is with your passion. You may not end up being on stage. You might be somewhere else in that realm of creativity and performance or whatever it may be. You may become a booking agent. You may become, you know, choreographer, whatever it may be. But as long as that kind of aspect is in your life, I think that happiness is how we should measure success, not money. I think money is is kind of a false sense of happiness. And would it be nice to have a lot of money? Absolutely. But I don't know how many people really think about selling out their souls for nice things. If you can kind of have the best of both worlds, I would do that and I would follow your dreams because if it's all you have, like, because music was really all I had and all I really knew how to do, like, you'll make it work. You'll find a way to make it work. And I think a lot of people we give up too easily. Like, if I had a dollar for every time a door was slammed in my face or I heard a no or wasn't picked up for a gig or whatever it may be, I'd be a millionaire right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't we all... Wouldn't we all? Such great advice. People have to be prepared at any career, no matter what one they take. Even if it's a career that has a lot of opportunities, you got to be prepared for that no. You're always going to hear no, no matter what you do. And it's how much you're going to be able to persevere and get yourself to the top of wherever your career goal is. So you always have to uh, take no and move on. COVID-19, of course, hasn't been easy for anyone. Uh, You're not only a business owner, you have a beautiful family, you have a wife and a little son as well. And how is it all going? How are you guys doing to keep positive? And of course, how are you doing running the businesses, being with your family, of course, helping them through this time? Tell me all about it. On my Instagram, you'll like see me like doing all sorts of crazy things like, you know, gardening, baking, fixing things, building things, cooking things. And I kind of do that as a form of therapy as well, just to keep myself busy. But at the same time, I am really busy with the business and I'm busy with other and I'm busy, you know, taking care of myself and as well as helping take care of the family. And so I think being able to, for me to be able to juggle that is just having like amazing support, like family wise, like obviously my wife, you know, she's working, but if I didn't have her kind of with me during this time, I think it would be very difficult my son and you know he's only three and a half and he needs a lot of attention during the day professionally I have an amazing team can't thank them enough you know we have such amazing staff at the studio and they've really all just kind of stepped up to the plate and been able to keep the business you know alive it's survival mode right now and I think that's kind of where we're at so I really can't take credit for any of the successes that we've seen or just the way we've been able to handle COVID I can't take credit myself because I've been lucky and fortunate enough to have an amazing team around me. You just touched on a great point. It's really important to have great people around you because that's going to really get you further into your career. I was watching an interview with JLo and she said she's nothing without the people that got her to where she is. So I think that's important for, again, any industry you go into is surround yourself with great people that are going to help you in certain scenarios and really elevate you to the next level. 
Great. Okay, of course, we're going to come to my other part, which I just surprise on guests <laughs> a lot is games. I love playing games. I know I sound repetitive because I say this in every episode, but I do it. I'm a radio DJ. It's part of me. It's in my blood. So what you have to do, Warren, is answer as many quarantine questions. There's no right or wrong answer for this. As many of those questions in a minute and whoever has the most at the end of this little Coping 19 podcast series, I'm going to give them a prize. So, so far, I have two past guests that have both tied for nine. So if you can pass nine today, you will be currently the leader on the leaderboard. So are you ready? I'm ready. Great. Let's go. What is your favorite quarantine snack? Spinach dip. Ooh, such a great classic. Love spinach dip. If you are at the grocery store till and you can only have one item of your pile, what would it be? Cheese. Oh, another one of my loves. Okay, since we can't travel right now, what would be your favorite destination to travel to and hang out in in your home? My courtyard. Lovely. If you could write a song about quarantine, what would the title be? Help me. <laughs> A title that we can all definitely relate to. What is one thing you love about being in quarantine with your wife and son? Uh, the cuddles. Aww. What show are you binge watching right now? I've just started Homeland. Okay, Warren, let's see if we can squeeze one more in. Pick a character that best describes your quarantine look. Uh, one of the trolls from the Trolls movie. <laughs> my hair is <laughs> And that's my favorite answer. I think a lot of us are going to look like troll dolls before we all go to the hairdressers, which of course is now open in BC. So uh, exciting things to come in this new world. Oh, but I'm sorry, Warren. You weren't able to beat the highest score, which is nine answers in a minute during quarantine questions. You only got six. Woo! <laughs> That's not a good thing, buddy. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's always good to be positive and optimistic. But thank you. Thank you so much for doing this for me. It's great to chat with you again. I know you have done amazing things in the past. I know you're going to do more amazing things with Studio Cloud 30 and, of course, your career as a performer. I cannot wait to watch you live again in concert one day in a crowd of people. So I am excited for you and, of course, um, everything to come in the future and see where concerts and award shows are going to end up post-COVID-19. Thank you for listening to the Coping 19 Limited Series podcast. Looking at how entrepreneurs are coping with COVID-19 and how they're changing their businesses to fit this new world. 